The Green Chair is brought to you by you for you. To support The Green Chair, please visit our website and purchase a lip balm at thegreenchair.com.au. The Green Chair would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we have recorded this podcast and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. The Green Chair is produced on Wiradjuri Country. Welcome to the fifth episode of The Green Chair. I'm your host, Denny Maidens, and thank you for joining me on this week's episode. The Green Chair is an inclusive space for regional women to connect, collaborate, and interact with one another in a supportive environment. At The Green Chair, we believe connection, collaboration, and inclusion are essential, sharing the good, bad, and the ugly. In this week's episode, our fifth, I speak with Kate Wade. Now, many of you would know Kate from The Exchange, but Kate has recently taken the plunge to start her own event planning business. So let's jump into it. Oh, hi, Danny. Absolutely. So my name is Kate Wade. I am a Dubbo local. I met my husband, Matt, about 20 years ago, or nearly 20 years ago, and we have two beautiful children. Frankie is eight and Monty is five. I've done a few different things throughout my professional career, but recently I started a corporate events business, which I've called One More Event. I guess I never thought I would launch a business at the age of 40, but I feel like everything, you know, all the different things that I've done throughout my career really have given me a bit of confidence and a bit of knowledge and I'm kind of ready to do my own thing now. It's kind of led me to this point. So yeah, that's pretty much sums me up. Like how did you make like a shift, I guess, from to get into this type of work? Like how do you just sort of like wake up and go, I want to be in corporate events? I think I'm just a naturally organized. My family would probably call it bossy, Um, but I'm really big on, even as a young, you know, in my teens and 20s, was all about bringing people together for any celebration, any party, organising anything is just what I've gravitated towards. And I think I actually, after school, I did a hairdressing apprenticeship. Kind of that's how I kicked off my work life. And I loved that whole connecting with people and communicating with people and I feel like everything that I've done in my life, That so I went from hairdressing into, you know, more office roles and admin and office management then I was PA and EA and even I just did four years nearly four years at the exchange in Dubbo and it was all about connecting and communicating with people and I think I I saw um, Destination New South Wales was offering scholarships to do an event management diploma and it's something in me just clicked and I thought oh I could actually do that and I was in my late 30s, still not knowing what, what I wanted to be when I grew up. I think I'd always just fallen into positions or always fallen into jobs and never really knew what I wanted to do as a grown-up. I saw that scholarship and I thought, yeah, I could do that. That sounds like me. And I threw my hat in the ring and I actually got the scholarship through Meeting and Events Australia, which I started and I absolutely love. And a lot of the work I was doing at the exchange was in that corporate event space. And I've just seen that there was just a little bit of a, an, um, it's a niche thing and there was definitely a market for it in Dubbo and so I thought why not let's have a crack Um, a few opportunities have fallen in my lap and I just keep saying yes and then one more event was born. I really like how you've said that like the transition of like jobs you've had and I think it's a really good to highlight that even though some of them have been might be in 
like different or things like that is the transferable skills that you've learned or have been able to assist you in your future. And I think that's a really important thing to highlight is that, you know, just because you start off one place doesn't mean you can't get a job or do something completely different. Yeah, that's right. And I think I'm a big believer the universe will guide you where you're supposed to be. So we may defer things or take a different route here and there, but essentially we will end up where we need to be. And I feel like that's where I'm at now. You know, all the things I've done in my life have taught me different things and have given me a bit of a boost in my confidence or, or my knowledge has led me to where I am. And, and now I'm 40, I can kind of look back on that last 20 years and go, well, that wasn't a waste. That's actually taught me a lot of experience and other things that have led me to where I am today and and enabled me to then launch a business at the age of 40 and have the confidence to do it. Yeah. And I think that's really important message for women in general is that I think we can sometimes get locked in to go, oh yes, this is where I'm at. This is where I should stay. But there is so much more out there if you wanted to do other things as well. Yeah. And it's okay to have a go. You know, even if you start something and you don't love it, that's that, that doesn't matter. Just have a go, try different things, and then you will end up where you're supposed to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. What exactly, I guess, for somebody who might not know anything about what a what corporate events is, what exactly is that? Like what type of things do you organize or you've been a part of or going to be a part of? What exactly is organizing corporate events? Yeah, it's a really, it's quite broad because it can be anything. So I've recently just rolled out an event for the New South Wales Department of Primary Industry, which was a conference for 250 farmers and that we brought in keynote speakers and it, it's actually uh, organising everything that's involved with rolling out that event from your, your events, uh, invitations and registrations, catering, speakers, Uh, any printing collateral that you need. It's just managing all of the suppliers and all the moving parts to make sure that that event is a success. So that was a really good one here in Dubbo. Then there's anything staff parties, anything that I think back in the day, the world's changed a little bit recently post-COVID and the lack of human resources and people struggling to to get employees where once upon a time a business would rely on its admin team or a PA to roll out a staff function or a conference or a larger scale event and people just don't have the manpower anymore. They're not hiring the people or the people aren't there to be hired. And so these types of roles like event management or your marketing and your communications, your digital comms are getting contractors to come in and do the work for them. And so the event management space is anything that relies on, you know, bringing their teams together, team offsites. It's, it is really broad and, and I'm actually willing to do anything <laughs> at this stage. You know, when you're early business and you just say, yes, 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 I can do that. I can do that. And then you figure the rest out later. So, you know, I'm doing a a marquee at Derby Day races for 500 people for for one organization. Um, So, yeah, it's it's really broad, but it's loads of fun. Yeah, that's um, quite diverse range of things that you can do. Yeah, diverse is exactly the right word. Yeah. Was that quite a, I don't don't want to say it was daunting or challenging, but taking a leap, I guess, of being employed, having stable employment and doing all of that and then going, I'm going to start my own business. How did that go? Uh, yes, very daunting. I, I think thought I'll just really gently dip my toe in the water and see how it goes without actually committing to having my own business. And once I did one event, word of mouth just spread. 
and the phone started ringing. So I haven't actually had to actively go out and look for work yet. I'm now, I've got a lot of jobs on the go. I'm now booked up until May next year. And so I think had I dipped my toe in the water and the phone didn't ring and I didn't get any work, it would have been extremely daunting and I would have been looking for some uh, something a little bit more secure. But I think I've just been so lucky that people are supporting me and that the phone's been ringing and I haven't had to second guess myself yet because I haven't had time. I just keep saying yes and going for it. But I guess that also comes back to you as a person and the relationships you've created and that you're a collaborative, inclusive person that you've been able to utilize the skills that you have to assist you in your business. Yeah, there's probably that. And I also think it's one of the huge benefits of living in regional Australia is that word of mouth travels so quickly, which can be positive and negative. I think if I was in a city where people didn't know me or know who I was, that it would have been 10 times harder. I'm raised in Dubbo. I went to school here. I do have a lot of connections in the town. That word of mouth is is really, really important. And that is what has helped grow my business so quickly. So yeah, I'd have to say a combination of those few things yeah, no, has really made a difference. Absolutely. And, you know, definitely can have its negative sides that everybody knows what you're doing and everything. Yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, in this sense, it's absolutely helpful. Yes. Yeah, it, it is a hundred percent. I guess for me, I've spoken to a number of women and what's been quite interesting is everyone's morning routines are quite different. And because you have so much on the go, I'm very interested in what your morning routine is? Yeah, it's very different uh, each day depending on what is going on with the household, the kids. My daughter, Frankie, does squad training two mornings a week at the local pool. So those two mornings we're out of the house by 6.45am. So they're always a bit of a scramble um, and I have to be really organised the night before. But on the other mornings, my ideal way to start the day is usually around 6.30am. I wake up um, I don't need to set an alarm. I just naturally wake up at that time. I like to sneak out the back yard and I do some breath work and a little bit of meditation. And I like to jump into the freezing cold swimming pool. And that is just a three or four minutes. I sit there and, and cold plunge and just focus on my breath. And it is bloody freezing, but it's a really exhilarating way to start the day. It gets the heart racing and then when I'm up and inside into a warm shower and then I'm just ready to tackle the day. I couldn't do it in the freezing, frosty mornings. I can kind of go up till April or May and then I just started again last month doing it. But yeah, that's my perfect way to start the day. And then I'm inside for a warm shower. I have a large glass of water with lemon, a green juice or a smoothie. And then I'm straight into kids' breakfast, lunches, uniforms, and hustling just to get everybody out the door by a certain time. I do a school drop-off each day and then I'm usually back at my desk. I get home and have my first coffee, nice hot coffee, and back at my desk ready to start the day by 9 o'clock and hook into emails and client meetings and whatever we've got on. That's kind of in a nutshell, but then weekends and, you know, now we're in school holidays, much cruisier. So everybody kind of likes to lie around a little bit and I like to do a walk with the kids and the scooters and the dog and yeah, try and take our foot off the pedal come school holidays. I just can't believe that like without an alarm, you just naturally wake up at 6.30. So 
Mm. Yeah, I think my kids have always been early risers. They very rarely sleep in past kind of 6.30. And so I think my body clock now has just become accustomed to that. And I'm just awake and ready to start the day. But I do go to bed early. I'm, I'm definitely a morning person. I'm not a night owl. And I like to be in bed by 10, 10.30 and get that solid sleep to be ready to start the day at 6.30. How long have you been doing cold plunges for? I look... I'd say probably 12 months, a bit over 12 months. And it's not every day, but if I can do it kind of four or five times a week, I'm happy. I've watched the Wim Hof. Have you heard Wim Hof? He does all that crazy breath work, yeah. yoga, and the girl plunge in the snow. Mm-hmm. And I feel my girlfriend, I've got a cousin, uh, my husband's cousin did it out down at Jindabyne and was just raving about the benefits on your body and the reduction of inflammation in your body. And I've had some health issues over the years and I'm a, I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm one of those people that hears something and likes to try it, different holistic and natural therapies. And I thought, I'm going to give that a go. And I did. And I just love it. It's actually addictive. And just you kind of instantly freeze when you get in the water and I, you stand out there going, why am I doing this? And then after a couple of seconds, things just go really calm and clear and you just focus on your breath. And it's just the most beautiful way to start the day. I highly recommend it, Danny. It, it's so funny that you say that because um, like my husband and I, we went to Finland a couple of years ago and they're really big on the ice plunging. And then after they do that, they all hop in a sauna. And we went there when it was in um, like winter and I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to do it. And it was so cold. It was like minus eight or something silly. And I was like, yeah, don't. I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah, I I don't know whether I could do that. I I got the thermometer out when I first started after winter, you know, a few weeks ago and back after the winter break and the pool was six degrees and that was still so cold that I couldn't feel my legs when I got in there. And so anything colder than that is is crazy. But yeah, six degrees, that's kind of the coldest I've done. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, like I, I'm that person for like for even for me to hop into a pool, it has to be over 25 degrees. Well, like I the, used yeah. to be like that. Yeah, I used to be like that. And I've just, something's like a switch has flicked. And now I just, it's really testing your mental strength. It's, it's all in your mind, I think. And then I kind of, you kind of have to do this breath work and this really quick meditation to try and work yourself into it and then just get straight in without thinking about it. Yeah, it's crazy, but it definitely works. Yeah, it's definitely a a mind over matter thing because like I know if you think about it, then you don't want to get in and you do that like half slide in the pool, it's not going to happen. Then you just got to go in and do it. You just got to go in, yeah, 100% straight in. Oh, yeah. Well, look, I feel like it's a a trend that these people keep telling me I need to wake up earlier and I need to not have my coffee straight away and I need to be doing these things. So, look, after finish uni, I think this is what I'm going to have to do. Yeah, there's a lot of research actually about that coffee first up in the morning that I've read about. And I'm not a huge coffee. Like I have one coffee about nine o'clock and I'm just a one long black a day person. There is a lot that to be said for not having to rely on that coffee as soon as you wake up in the morning and, you know, you get your adrenals working properly and all of those kind of things, your hormones and let your body kind of get moving naturally before you jam that caffeine in. Tricky though, tricky. It's that hard balance, which I need to try and break that cycle. And everyone has said this to me, so I feel like it's definitely something I need to be doing. 
Ooh. Yeah, well, good luck. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. you have fun with that. <laughs> yeah. 20 years you've been in Dubbo. That's and like you're from here. Were you born here in Dubbo? Yeah, no, I actually wasn't. I was born on the Gold Coast, which was just a fluke, really, because my mum's family are from Dubbo and my dad's family are from Canberra. And my mum and dad met in Canberra in the early 80s and they got married in Dubbo in my grandparents' backyard of Tamworth Street. And they went they they got a panel van and they decided to go traveling around Australia after the wedding and they got as far as the Gold Coast and then my mum was pregnant with me so they stayed put my dad got some work up there and they stayed put so I was actually born on the Gold Coast and then we relocated when I was two um, back to Canberra to my where my dad's was from and my brother was born there and my younger sister and it wasn't until I was in year six that my parents decided to move out to Dubbo to where my mum's family was for more work opportunities than what was happening in Canberra. And so then I went all through high school here in Dubbo. Then after high school, I just, I went to Sydney for a couple of years and just worked. And then I came back to Dubbo and started my hairdressing apprenticeship when I was uh, 20. And that's when I met Matt, my husband. He He's from Trini, but he went to uni um, at UNE and then had just gotten his first job in Dubbo. So he just moved to, to Dubbo and we met, and I think I was 21 when we met. And yeah, we had a couple of years in Dubbo and then he's he works for Rabobank and so then he got transferred to Sydney and we had eight years in Sydney living in the city and having just the best time we did lots of traveling and we just lived it up and then we got married and decided that the city life wasn't really for us so we wanted to move regionally somewhere and it just happened to be that we could we could move back to Dubbo with the bank and we bought a beautiful house old house in South Dubbo and yeah we've been back here for 10 years now and we've had two kids and I just when I left Dubbo in my 20s I said I'm never moving back there I could not get out of this town fast enough and then when we had that time in the city and I moved back and I just love it I just think it's the most beautiful town the people are so lovely it's so many great opportunities here. There's great education for the kids and it's just such a, a great place to raise your family. So, yeah, we, we're thrilled with where we live and, and the life that we have here. Oh, absolutely. Like I did 10 years in Sydney and I look back at that and to now being here in Dubbo, I'm like, I couldn't do that again. Like I couldn't do it. I couldn't go back to commuting all that time or having to do this or trying to find a car spot or I like that everything's 10 minutes away I like the little community we have I I like I just I couldn't go back to it me too do you know that the the parking the car is the worst in Sydney like I was thinking like we got married I was like if I have a baby how am I gonna get to the shopping center and get the capsule out of the and put it and get the baby into a pram and do the shopping like you can't get a car park close to where you need to be and then get back and you can never find a car park around your flat. You've got to park a mile away. And it was just all too hard. And I can't, like people, women that do that in Sydney, hats off to them, but definitely wasn't for me. Yeah, I, I love that there's no traffic here. Although, you know, in the last 10 years, Dubbo has gotten so much busier, but still the, the ability to be able to drive to the and get a park right out the front of where you need to go, that will never be lost on me. Oh, no, absolutely. Like I just... I like that it literally, I can drop the kids off at school. It's literally two seconds from my house and then I turn and can go to work and do whatever it is and um, it's about 10 minutes altogether. Yeah, perfect. Life's easy, right? You've got to keep things easy. I think we've just got so much going on. Let's take out the things that cause 
I don't know, heartache or headaches or whatever. I just, I'm yeah, all that I agree. Oh. Yeah, I agree. I'm interested because obviously you've done the city, country, life and everything. And obviously, you know, we can all agree that living regionally is wonderful. But what is something that you wish you knew when you were younger? That's such a good question because I think there is so much. I think like aren't your teen years and your 20s are so hard, aren't they? There is so much pressure or we put so much pressure on ourselves. And I really cared about what other people thought of me, Mm -hmm. which I wish I didn't care so much. And I was constantly striving for this perfectionism that doesn't even exist and is such a waste of time and energy. And so I guess I wish I knew that everything was going to be okay in the end, but you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself to be perfect and to, I guess, take on board other people's perceptions of you. I think if you can just put your, you know, blinkers on and stay in your own lane, I wish someone could have taught me that when I was younger. And, you know, throughout my teens and into my 20s, I had a pretty tough time with my health. I had severe endometriosis and and then into my 20s when I got married I struggled with infertility for years and I I learned a lot about my body and I made a lot of changes so I think it would have been great if someone had just said to me when I was 20 you're going to go through a really hard time but it's all going to be okay in the end and everything's going to work out for you that would have been really helpful (laughs) oh honestly like I can relate to that so much with my own endo journey is that it's I don't know, but for me, no one around me had endo. It was like well, I, don't I was think the anybody only one. even really knew what no one really knew what it was. Like that was, you know, twenty years ago. It, it was just not heard of and nobody talked about it. And so I think we, you know, I'm sure if you felt like this, but felt like you were alone. Yep. You're the only person going through something like that. Mm. And then everyone around you is having babies and all your friends, you know, get married and then all your friends are having babies. And you're just going through this horrific time, you know, surgeries and cysts on your ovaries and wondering what the hell is wrong with your body. And I had to learn a lot. And I've come out, you know, now at 40, I've come out the other side. I did have a hysterectomy a couple of years ago, which solved, you know, most of my problems. But yeah, it was a really challenging time. And I think I, I feel like the more we can talk about it as women now, and the more we verbalise the issues that we had and what we went through, especially in regional areas where there isn't a huge amount of services, you know, our healthcare services are great, but not as good as what is in the city, that if we can almost mentor the young women that are going through it now to say, these are the things that I did that worked for me, or these are the other things that you can try and just normalise it, it will really make a huge difference to, you know, young women's lives. Oh, absolutely. I think it was even, I just, I remember when I got diagnosed with endo and I was living in Sydney and I came back home and was at a family event and I was talking to another young woman about it. And it was as if that she was going to catch it from me. And it was Mm. this, and again, it was just like, I really felt really alone. And it was this really, and you're feeling sick and you're lethargic and you're this and you're that. And it's like, it has got better now. 
but it was just sort of like I would have people that would say some very insensitive things and still recently too. And it was just like, oh, it was so easy for me to fall pregnant. I just have to look at whoever and I've got a baby mm. and all of this stuff. Yep. Or um, you're young. It should be so easy for you to have a baby. Or why would you want to have a baby? Or gee, you've got really bad skin or you've lost your hairs falling out. And it's like, yeah, I'm really sick. And it was just... Mm. Um, supporting each other is and and in that you know employment you know you you're kind of in your 20s and you're finally getting a decent job and you're trying to work and forge a a bit of a career path for yourself Mm. and then every month you're sick and you can't get out of bed and you're in severe pain and you couldn't say to your boss oh I've got period pain and endometriosis because no one really talked about it or knew what it was back then so you just were like calling in sick or I've got a headache I've got a migraine you know the constant migraines were one of the worst things for me that yeah you you did it was it was really an an isolating time so yeah I know exactly what you mean by feeling alone I think what was quite funny then when I would like explained to people like period pain they'd be like but is it really that bad like, yeah, I can't actually get out of bed. Yeah, yeah. I'm excruciating. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just like my stomach hurts a little bit. It's like I can't actually move. So, mm. and again, like there's some really great things now in education and things like that, but it's really hard. I think there's not enough emphasis of being a teenager and young adult is really, really hard. And I think it's probably the hardest point nearly in your life is you're worried about who you're hanging out with and what you look like and all these things and then throw in a couple of other, you know, health challenges and things like that. And it's just like a whole nother layer of complexity of doubting yourself and going, oh, I deserve this because of whatever else. And it's just like, it's really hard for young people, I think. Yeah, really hard. And then I found, you know, a few things, you know, I, I changed my diet. I kind of was really conscious about what I was eating. And I saw I have a great holistic chiropractor and kinesiologist and naturopath and just kind of worked out that I had to rally a team around mm. me to try and get through. So, yeah, I think it's a really good lesson in that you can't do things alone or you shouldn't have to do things alone if you have a good team around you and you have support services and whether you see a counsellor or a psychologist or whatever it is, that communicating about how you feel and what you're going through really can make you feel better and make you feel like you're not alone. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That safety net of people around you is absolutely key I think yeah it's invaluable such a journey and things that you've been through and done in quite a short period I guess of time what are you most proud about accomplishing that's a hard question I don't think you off we don't often stop and think about the things that we've accomplished along the way we kind of just keep forging forward and we don't stop to celebrate the wins or think about what we've achieved. I would have to say that the the last three and a half years that I've just had at the exchange would have to be something that I was really proud of. We I worked alongside Gillian Kilby, who's the CEO, and we launched this co-working and community space, which we opened the doors in February of 2020. And then of course COVID hit in March 2020. So it wasn't a great time to start a community space, a co-working space. We had to flip everything that we had planned and put everything online and just keep forging ahead the best that we could. But we really got through it and we managed to come out the other side stronger than ever. And I think we we really did some amazing things for regional business owners and organisations and 
I think when I look back at that time, it's something that I'm proud of, you know, doing the International Women's Day Women's Leadership Assembly, what we've done the last three years was really amazing to bring some keynote speakers out to the regions that we wouldn't normally have access to or that women wouldn't normally have access to. So things like that I'm really proud of. And then, of course, I'd have to say my family, you know, the kids, I think especially when you try so hard to fall pregnant and then you have these little people. um, And as they get older, I think parenting's bloody hard work and they as they start to develop their own little personalities and they're really starting to flourish and turn into quite you know beautiful little humans I'm really proud of that sometimes my husband and I look at each other and go oh wow they're actually being really kind today we're not doing too bad a job (laughs) at this and other days we're like oh my god what are we doing (laughs) we don't have a clue what we're doing but I think overall I'm pretty proud of of the two kids and and the the little people that they're that they're becoming we don't stop and think about, oh, hey, I actually have achieved that or that is something I am proud of myself hustling to go to the next thing type scenario. Yeah, and there's actually a lot of research as well into stopping to celebrate your wins, you know, especially if you go through, you know, Brene Brown talks a lot about your your FFTs. Have you heard of this? Like when you're doing something, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but it's a fucking first time. So when you're doing something for the first time, you're doing an FFT, there's an impact on your nervous system and, and your adrenaline and your body kind of goes into this uncertain territory because it's never been here before. And then when you finish that FFT and you actually, uh, it's a success, you should actually stop and celebrate that win and let your body decompress and let your nervous system relax before you jump onto the next thing. So it's, it's, not, it's not just for your mind, but for your body as well to really stop and, and say, oh, we actually did a really good good job on that. How are we going to celebrate it and then move on to the next thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we really need to focus on that and highlight that because it is otherwise this continuous loop of we do things, we do them well, and we're not stopping and going, hey, that actually went well and whatever, because otherwise you can feel like you're just in this continuous cycle and then it's like, well, what was the point of doing that then otherwise? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm interested to know because obviously you've been able to work and be a part of so many great meet and see a whole range of wonderful women. How do you think women can better support one another? I think that's really simple. Be kind to each other. Cheer each other on from the sidelines. Support each other. You know, like they're really simple things. Don't judge each other. Don't criticize each other. Don't bring each other down. I feel like we're all doing the best that we can with the knowledge that we have. And the more support we can put towards each other, I think the world would be in a much better place. We do like to overcomplicate things, that's for sure. And I think that is to come back to the simple basics of kindness, be a nice human. That's... Yeah, cheer, cheer your sisters on, you know, let's all just support each other instead of criticising and tearing each other down at every chance we get. What advice would you give to a young woman who is starting out and not knowing like what direction or career avenue to take? I'm a big one to just trust your gut. Follow Follow your own instinct and trust your own gut. That is your body's way of guiding you to what you should be doing. So don't be scared to just have a go. And like I said earlier, if things don't work out, for you that's okay like what's the worst thing that that can happen so just tr- trust your in, your own instincts it would be my advice I now look at things differently and that I go what is the worst outcome that could happen and then I sit and I go someone says no to me 
well, then they say no to me and I move on to the next thing. I think sometimes we can build things up maybe more in our heads than it's actually going to pan out. Yeah, and I think I'm trying to instill that in my, well, in both of my children, but especially my daughter because I see this amazing confidence in her and all of her friends at the age of eight. Mm -hmm. They are willing to have a go at absolutely anything. They have no fear. They don't care what other people think of them. They don't feel judged. They don't care if they don't succeed. They just have a go. And how do you bottle that confidence up in those little girls and keep it like that into their high school years and then into their 20s? Because I feel like women or young girls hit a certain age, I don't know what that age is, 10, 11, 12 maybe, where all of a sudden they are caring about what other people think of them and they're worried about you know if someone says no or or the worst thing that could happen and then you get to your 40s and you go well what is the worst thing that could happen so what if they say no you know it's actually not as bad as we make it up in our head but how do we keep that throughout our whole lives and not just in our early years and our and our later years it's really tricky yeah and I think that just goes back to like supporting one another and having open conversations and you know, it's okay to fail and it's okay to be told no or whatever because it is this self-doubt I think is can cause, yeah, you to not step outside the box or whatever. Yeah, and it only takes one person to criticise you when you're, and then your confidence is knocked down and then next time you may not be so willing to have a go. So I think if we can be kind and we can support each other and we can teach our children to be kind and support each other, well, then that's one step in the right direction. Being a regional woman yourself, what do you believe is the biggest hurdle for women in regional Australia? Yeah, I've I've actually been asked this question a few times, you know, and I don't think that there is much of a hurdle for us here anymore. I think back, you know, back in the day, it was a disadvantage, but I actually think it's now an advantage to live in regional Australia. As we were talking about, it's affordable. It takes 10 minutes to get everywhere, but we also have access to amazing people and anyone is willing to help you if you ask. I feel like in regional areas, we have these amazing communities and people really want to connect and they really want to help. And I don't think you get that in the cities that you do. And I think COVID really showed us that, you know, you can now live anywhere in the world and you can still have an amazing job and you can connect with anyone, even if they are on the other side of the world. If you're out in the bush and they're in a main city, there's no disadvantage anymore to living in regional Australia. I could be wrong. I might just have my head in the sand, (laughs) but from my perspective, I actually think of it as an advantage. I think that we can provide definitely some insights that our city counterparts definitely can't provide you know like we talked about earlier like I think there's also you know some access to health services and things like that that can be challenging but compared to what it was 10 15 20 years ago we've definitely come a long way and our community and the one particular benefit I think of COVID is how we've broken down barriers of accessibility and if you've got the internet we can connect I I think that's amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I I was talking to someone recently about them growing up out in Nigaduga in the 90s and there was no internet, no mobile phones, no social media. Like you were so isolated and so far from anywhere. And that has all changed now with 
the internet. With social media, I think, yes, social media has its negative impacts, but the positive impacts are being able to connect with so many people, able to reach a really broad audience of people. And I think, yeah, living in the regional Australia isn't what it used to be. It's, It's definitely got its strength. I'm interested because of, again, all of the people you've met and then been able to work with and everything. Who's been the most influential person in your life and why? I have a couple. I think it's changed over the years. I think in the early, in my early life, my influences would be my mum and dad, which is probably the same as most people. I grew up in a really loving household and my parents were both, or actually still are, really hard workers and they really instilled those those core values of kindness trust honesty in my brother and sister and I and we are all extremely close even now as adults and with our partners and I really want to take those early influences and use those same values as a parent and instill that in my kids because I think they're just lifelong skills but I think more recently like it's nothing life-changing or amazing but my husband and my best girlfriends are the biggest influences on my life I have this amazing group of girlfriends and who are all in Dubbo or around Dubbo and we have kids the same age and we call it our village Um, we all co-parent we help raise each other's kids we do drop-offs and pickups and we laugh together we cry together and I think if I need anything they would all be there for me at the drop of a hat and that's exactly the same you know him and I are a team and I think combined I literally couldn't do life without those people in my life so um, they would have to be my biggest influences. I think that definitely highlights though having supportive environment around you is life-changing you put out what you get back in relationships think and I'm I'm a really big believer in you know nurturing relationships and and that's kind of the the whole the best bit about life isn't it like having good people around you to share your life with look this is my last official question and I'm interested in what your answer to this is is mm-hmm. how do you want to be remembered I think I was thinking about what I try and teach my kids and the biggest things for me are to be kind and grateful. And so I guess I would like to be remembered as a kind person who is grateful for what I had. And even though I've never had, you know, like my family is very hardworking and middle class, we never had a lot of money. But have you read the book, The Resilience Project? No, I haven't. But oh, Hugh Van Kylenberg, I think his name is, um, Hugh Van something. He, it's amazing. It's, it's actually a life-changing book. Everybody should read it. He spent some time in India with um, kids in, or like at a school with kids that were extremely poor. A lot of them were in orphanages and he worked in a school over there. And he, he couldn't work out why these kids that had absolutely nothing were so happy all the time. And you look at kids here who have everything they've ever wanted and their miserable, you know, mental health rates and suicide rates are higher than they've ever been. And why are these kids that have nothing so so happy? And he did all all this research and he came up with this principle, which he calls the GEM principle. And what GEM stands for is gratitude, empathy and mindfulness. And he's worked out that if you practice those three things, it leads to happiness. So if you, I actually read the book and then I implemented this at the exchange and I've implemented it at my 
dining table at night. We go around the table and the kids and Matt and I all have to talk about something that we're grateful for, how uh, something that we have empathy for and how we practice mindfulness that day. And it really is life-changing. Even if you don't have much, if you come down to the basics of I'm grateful for a roof over my head. I'm grateful that I've got food on the table. I'm grateful for my relationships. Or, you know, the kids, they come up with funny little things. Or I'm grateful that I got an ice block at the canteen today. Or, you know, we try to talk about, did you do something for someone that was kind? Or did something make you sad? And really kind of communicate how we're feeling. It really changes the way that we that we think about things and how we see the world. And I would just love to be remembered as a kind person who was grateful for what I had. That's really great advice. I'm going to get that book now. I think that's... It's the best. It's a really, really good book. And you know when you're having a really, really tough day and you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders and the kids are being, you know, whinging and your work's not going how you want and or like you might be going to a party and you've got nothing to wear or something and then you just stop and think, what's my gem? And then if you say what you're great, I'm actually grateful that... I do have children and I'm grateful that I do have a job and I'm grateful that I can choose something to wear and I'm empathetic for someone in the world that's, you know, not as lucky for me as as I am or whatever specifics going on at the time. And then if you stop in that moment and practice that mindfulness and think about those things, I guarantee your attitude would change in a split second. Yeah, no, I think we can all take something from that. We all need to be more grateful for what we have. Absolutely. Yeah, and just trying to teach the kids that at this at this young age, and just normalise these conversations around the table of a night time, talking about how they're kind and what made them sad. My hope is that as teenagers, we will still be doing this, but it will be normal, and they will open up to me and be able to talk about things and not just push things down and suffer in silence. And so I think you know it all comes back to communicating right? I think everything I've talked about today probably just really stems back to connecting with people and communicating with them. And that's how I live my life. And it seems to be working so far. So I'm going to stick with it for now. I really like that though, because I truly believe that communication and the connections and maintaining those healthy relationships is literally vital to a happy and healthy life. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I've written down even the book I'm Yeah, it's going to be on my little list now to get. Yeah, great. I highly recommend. That was our fifth episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week, same time, same place, with our next instalment. We have some brilliant episodes coming up, so keep a lookout on our socials for sneak peeks. You'll hear from us soon. Bye.